Welcome to another week of the Default Alive podcast. My co-host Corey is out this week, so instead I've got a special guest joining me, the incredibly talented Michael Aubrey. He is the founder of Story Creator, a video editing application that has reached number one on both Hacker News and Product Hunt. And welcome, Michael. I, I'm really excited to chat with you today. Likewise. Wow, that's a that's a great <laughs> introduction. Um, thank you. Thanks for having me. This is. Uh... This is really cool. I didn't actually know you uh, were a regular podcast host um, until I was recent. So that's really cool. I'd like to see what uh, what you've been up to with the podcast. This is uh, it's really exciting and honoring to be on here. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So Corey and I, we started doing this podcast. Uh, this, is, this will be episode number five. And we've just been recording every nice. week and talking about what we're working on, things we're struggling with, things that have gone well, and just trying to share you know, our stories as we continue to develop our own businesses. Yeah, I like that. I think that's really healthy, um, not only for you, um, but for your audience. I think it's it's a good thing to be able to teach and, and sort of just document your, your process. And I feel like, I don't know, this is just an assumption, but as to this point over the five episodes, have you been able to extract value out of these conversations? Have you been able to maybe like steer the ship in the in the right direction after realizing some of the, maybe your blind sides or why you were struggling? Has it been helpful in that regard? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really helpful each week to, you know, especially as a solo founder, to have someone else to talk things over with. And Corey always provides yeah. a great perspective. Um, he comes at it more with the, the marketing brain um, than I necessarily yeah. have. And uh, and even just the, the week-to-week accountability. You know, I had a few weeks in a row where I, I kind of felt like, Man, I'm giving the same update of you know still working on this thing. It's it's still going, but it's not quite finished yet. And that starts to you start to feel that pressure. So, ah, uh, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I love that, man. I, I totally can resonate with that. I have a friend. Uh, we sort of fell off, which you know it's 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 been so valuable when we're on it and we're actually having these weekly like standups and stuff because you know he's always telling me, hey, you need to sell more. You need to like kind of put down the engineering hat for a little bit, and you need to. You need to actually go make some money. Money is, you know, what's going to help you survive. And like, you know, I don't need to tell you the value of money. You just need to go make it. And so that pressure was there week after week. And it's it's weird. I feel like we live in a time where you don't actually need a co-founder to have that accountability now with the power of the internet, the ability to hop on these calls with people. There's something very powerful there. I feel like that's that's something that should be more available and more um sort of uh, sought out after, you know, us solar founders. I think, um, you know, we, we need to do that. We need to put ourselves in a position where we have some accountability. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, JetBoost is solo founded company, but it would not exist without all of the backing of uh, other people in, you know, th- that I've met yeah. through the San Diego Indie Hackers group like yourself or, um, you know, now Earnest Capital and some of the other groups that I'm in. It's It's just been... It's, it's definitely not a one-person effort, even though it is a, a solo-founded company. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I joined a, an accelerator called Pioneer, and I'm not as active on there as much as I was when I was like in the cohort, um, but, it, but it's definitely one of the better decisions that I made um, was just getting um, into a network, into a community like this uh, for accountability, for just to be able to meet people that I can uh, you know talk to. Um, and so, so it might not seem intuitive at first to like, join all these communities but 
I would highly recommend it. If anybody's a solo founder, you need as much allies as you can get um, in this in this game. So um, always a wise choice to, to be a part of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, just for, for everyone listening, why don't you give a little background on what you're working on, Story Creator, maybe how it came to be and, and where you're at now? Yeah, I'm just very fascinated by video. To me, it's like the tool that enables us to sort of look into you know, a window into the world. Video gives us the ability to do this. Um, we're both in San Diego, but we're in very far places of San Diego. So um, just for the fact that we can just be in this conversation at a click of a button is amazing. Um, but you know, that's where audio stands, it shines, but with video, we can actually see each other. So it's like a visual portal into the world. And I've, I've just always been pa- passionate about video. I think it's amazing with what you can do, um, you know, in terms of st- telling a story, invoking emotions, um, I'm just, in terms of everything that I could build on the internet, I wanted to be a part of video. And it was also a good time. Uh, the timing was right. Like right now, video is hot. Um, so it just made sense. Um, and that's why I decided to build it was because of the two. The fact that I loved it and the fact that it was relevant. So it made sense and, and I just committed to it over the past year. Um, and it's been it's been an adventure. I love what I do every morning that I wake up and it's just great to be part of something that I, I get to build every day. That's awesome. That's really cool. I think, uh, you know, one thing that I think is interesting about what you're working on is, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like many of the video editing tools have been around for quite a while. They're, they're more like native applications. Uh, and so I see some comparisons with where like Figma took yeah. design tools and built a web application out of them. You know, a lot yeah. of people, when they talk about Webflow, they mention like, well, Dreamweaver did that however many years ago. It's like, okay, but now you can do yeah. it just in a web application. Like that's really cool. And for those of you that that yeah. don't know Story Creator or haven't tried it before, it's like it's a full fledged video editing application in the browser. It's it's amazing. Yeah, I think um, you know the internet's really powerful in that. Like you know, just the concept of links, the concept of like web sockets, the concept of HTTP, just sort of opens it up to to collaboration. It opens it up to it's just it makes it easier to share. It makes it easier. It's just more versatile. Um, you know, it's just easier to plug and play things on, on the web. Um, but obviously over the years, there was a shortage. Um, there was a limitation of what the browser could do. But now we're starting to see a, a lot more power being introduced to the browser. Um, and, you know, in the future, I think it's just going to get more and more powerful um, with WebAssembly, uh, the ability to basically write C programs and, and, and just low-level programs directly in the browser. Um, I think you're just going to you know, see a lot of doors open up um, and, and at the end of the day, I think that's that's the most powerful thing is, is collaboration, the ability to share things with people, share ideas, share works and projects. And um, and we want that. We want to be able to have that that sort of that 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 natural ability to to collaborate. And um, yeah, I think you're starting to see that just emerge. I think it's just the beginning. I think a lot a lot of cool things are really going to happen. I'm very excited about like VR um, in the future. I don't know if that really has to do with the browser, but just. I think we're just sort of on the early curve of technology. And I think we're in a cool place, but it's just beginning. It's, there's a, there's a really exciting future. I feel like, and it's just good to be a part of that earlier um, than later. So, yeah, no, totally. And I would imagine there's gotta be a lot of satisfaction that you get from seeing people create using your tool. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes nerve wracking. It's (laughs) like for a video to get rendered, there's a lot of things that have to go right. Um, so every time I check the logs, um, it's great to see a, a successful day full of, 
um, green lights full of successful renders. Um, but yeah, over the development, there's been times when, you know, if you have one command uh, that gets corrupted somehow, then the whole video uh, will, will, will break. So you have to get everything, everything right. So it's from an engineering standpoint, it's very interesting. It's very fun to try to create this bulletproof system and you're constantly iterating. But when you get to a point when you have a lot of green lights, then it's, it's a really good feeling. But for me, the, the, the thing is I'm always wanting to add new things. So I have a week maybe of successful renders and I want to add a new feature and then I'll go back to almost square one where, because the new feature I introduced a few more bugs and then I have to like re reiterate on that and get that stable. Um, but it's just been, been this constant dance back and forth and it's been great. It's been fun to see it evolve over the year. Yeah, that's very cool. And how long have you been working on it? Yeah, so I started it last, it was like right around this time last year is when I um, started actually um, coding it on the weekends and on, on the, uh, during nighttime because um, I was working on a, on a meal planning tool for, for, for a freelance project that I took on. Um, and then I started going full time on it when the freelance project came to an end about January. I came back from Tahoe and I was like, okay, now it's time to buckle down and commit to this project. So first customer came in April. Um, so it's still a really early, early project. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's been a while in retrospect. I mean, I think that a lot of projects are like that. I don't know how it was JetBoost like that. I feel like a lot of the founders have the idea, maybe when we're working full time somewhere, or it's just sort of been a rough draft over the years. And then there's just this inflection point where you decide to like, go on it full time. And, and, and that's usually what I've noticed from my personal projects and from a lot of people I've talked to. Yeah. Is it similar? Is that a similar? Yeah, similar experience for, for me. Um, I started working on JetBoost last. So it's, it's also been a year last September. Um, but even the, you know, three months prior to that, I was working on another project, uh, another SaaS app where I took a lot of that code base and turned it into JetBoost. So I had a, a head start with that. Nice. Um, and it, it had been, you know, it was, it was six months before I even started working on JetBoost that the original idea for JetBoost came about um, from me helping out Corey um, with his Webflow site. And so, Interesting. yeah, it was kind of like percolating in the back of my mind and growing for all that time. And that's when I started doing some of the customer research and all of that. But as far as like actually writing code for it, it's been about a year now. Nice. That's that's really cool. That's like we're in the similar uh, we're in a similar boat here. Um, yeah, it's one year. How how does that make you feel knowing that it's been a year? Are you happy with the progress over the past year? Do you feel like because you know, it's a weird thing? It's like well, it's been a year. I feel like I should be a lot further along than I am. But at the same time, you know, these things do take time. You know, patience is a virtue. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I I always think like that. I'm always looking forward. And I I saw this quote on Twitter the other day. It was phenomenal. It said. Uh, remember when you wanted a year ago, what you now have today, <laughs> it's like, it's true. It's, it is really crazy. Like just to have a paying customer, yeah. um, it was a huge milestone huge. and now I'm almost at a hundred. So it's like, uh, you know, that like, sometimes I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. I'm like, man, I need more and more, but it's like, yeah, you're right. Totally right. Looking back retrospectively, if I was in this seat in October of 2019, <laughs> pre COVID, I would not have expected all this to happen, but but for a year from now to have, you know, hundred customers, that's, that is actually quite amazing. That's, that's a really good point. Yeah. That's why I, I've talked about this with Corey before. I'm a huge fan of writing monthly reviews each month and looking back on what happened, how I'm feeling, what, you know, things that I want to work on the next month. And yeah. it's, it's great one to just like clear all that out of your mind. And then number two, 
like you start to build up this archive where I can now go back and look like here are the problems I was facing six months ago that I don't even think about now because they're solved. Um, and so it, it gives you that perspective instead of always looking forward to the future, always being unsatisfied mm. with where you're at. Um, so, right. Yeah. That's, that's a healthy way to go about it. There's, there's something important about having that urgency, but too much of it, it, it it's, it gets to the, it gets to be a little bit unhealthy. So it's like, it's this constant balancing act of things that could be help, like, like tools to help you propel forward could also be extremely toxic if you let it become too obsessive. Um, so, so that's really good. It's, it's good to, I mean, presence obviously is like one of the most powerful things, like being in the flow state, like that's what real, the real action happens. Um, but yeah, being too present, can, you can go down a rabbit hole of just coding for hours and hours and hours with no direction. So you need a little bit of the past and the future to kind of, you know, uh, anchor you and put you on the right path. Yeah. That's good. I like that. I never really thought about that. I need to start doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely. Recommend. What's your tool? What's your tool for that? Like how, like, what does that process look like? Do you just write like in a notion document or like uh, maybe on a piece of paper, just sort of a list. Yeah. So I started out, uh, just writing, I think I started out writing it in Evernote just for myself. And then eventually, yeah. uh, I started sending it out as an email to just a small group of people, uh, other founders and whatnot that were, you know, I thought would provide good perspective or, um, yeah, you know, advice or whatever. And, uh, so yeah, just a real simple email kind of recapping the month and, uh, highlighting, you know, I show all the metrics and everything in there. Uh, Oh, that's good. Give yeah. Someone a full picture of it. Uh, and, yeah, now today I actually use this tool called uh, Visible and they provide different templates and whatnot that you can use to send it out. And I just use that because that's what nice. Ernest recommends um, and they have like yeah. a free subscription. So, but yeah, just an email works. Yeah, that's really cool. And and do you feel like, because like now you're making it public. So you're like, you're, you're considered a, one of those builders who's very open and, and, and public and transparent. Um, do you ever feel bad when your numbers are down one month? Like, how do you, how do you handle that? Like, how do you feel about that? Does it motivate you? Do you use it as a tool? Yeah. So, so just to clarify the, the Jetboost numbers aren't like fully public, but I, I make them public to the, mm. um, the people that I have on the list that I send it to. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, if, you know, the very first one that I ever sent to people was after a down month and it was like a real kick in the pants. <laughs> I was like, OK, I don't want to send another yeah. one of these emails ever again where I'm like, things didn't go very well. I didn't have a great month. You know, the numbers are down. Yeah. And uh, and actually this last month was, uh, you know, it, it was a bit of a struggle for me personally. I think all of the, you know, the situation with COVID and everything started to catch up. Um, to me and a few other founders that I've talked to. Uh, and so September just like productivity wise, wasn't great. Focus wise, wasn't great. And when I got to the end of the month and had to send out this email, it was kind of like, whoa, you know, now the month has already gone by and I don't have as much as I'd like to be able to show for it. So it's, it's, it's really good motivation. Yeah, no, that's good to, to be able to use it as motivation. It's, it's, it's like, I think like life, a lot of it is like these spirals of, of upward trajectory or downward trajectory, depending on how you let situations like that get to you. A lot of us, 
you know, may take a loss and keep building on that loss and go down a downward spiral. Mm -hmm. But if you can take a loss and use it as a motivation tool, um, then you can certainly build this upward spiral. As long as you keep stacking your wins and, and, and every day you show up and, and, and are consistent and you get better for the mistakes that you made, then, then you'll be, uh, you'll be good. But sometimes we need those lessons. Sometimes we need to have off days, off months, off weeks to, you know, put us, put us on the right path. Um, so that's good. That's good that you learned from that. And how do you feel this month? I mean, it's, well, it's now October. It's a Monday. Are you feeling are you feeling good for this week, for this month? Yeah, I, th I mean, I think what you said is key. You can have off days, you can have off weeks, and even off months. But as long as you correct that and continue to move forward and have consistent progress, like, yeah, there's going to be ups and downs over time. But as long as the general trend is, is upward as far as you, the work that you're producing, then um, I think you'll be okay. So yeah, October so far has been uh, looking a lot better just as far as my own personal focus and motivation and uh, work ethic. So yeah, that's been good. What do you think um, is sort of the key key thing that, that you're gonna do differently this month uh, to prevent you know what happened last month, the lack of focus? What do you think is gonna be a few things that's gonna shift that? Is it waking up earlier? Is it is it having more of a routine? What, what is that? Yeah, so, to start with, uh, one of the things that really helped uh, kind of set my focus was, you know, September also happened to be the end of Q3. And, uh, you know, so there's three months, there's one quarter left in the end of the year. Uh, and so I put together kind of a plan of here's the high level areas that I need to focus on for JetBoost. Um, and actually, I might as well just go through those real quick. Um, so yeah, I'd be interested. Yeah, number one is to reduce the amount of time that I spend on support. Uh, and one of the big ways that I can do this is just improving the product so that, you know, the things that I'm seeing over and over, okay, clearly something's wrong with the product in this area. Uh, yeah. If I can just, a lot of these are really small tweaks. If I can make these changes, um, then that eliminates that question from ever even coming through. Um, so that's number one. And then also an, another good strategy for that is, for things that aren't easily fixable in the product, at least putting together, like I have, I've only just begun putting together uh, documentation as far as, okay, if I get this question, uh, this support question, then like here's a pre-built answer ready to go that I can just copy paste in. That's good, um, yeah. So instead of, you know, every single time having to take the take the time to write out an answer, the, the cognitive hit to that, um, that's- yeah. That'll be a big, that, that's a good point. Like I'm always looking for ways to reduce cognitive load. I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's basically what good engineering is uh, to some degree. Like if you're writing good code, it reduces cognitive load, not only for like now, but for the future you. Um, so it's all, that's all it's always about is your systems need to do that, reduce cognitive load as much as possible. That's good. So that's, I like that. So you're going to be building a documentation system, something that you can point people to, to sort of explore. And if they have any questions, they maybe like a search bar. Or yeah, I think in the like a list in of, the beginning, it's going to be more internal documentation uh, for myself. Yeah, and then potentially to be Got able it. to hire a person to help with support. You know, now they have yeah this kind of question answer sheet of like, here's how you solve this problem, here's how you solve this problem, uh, and on down the line. Yeah. So yeah, that's good. I remember last time we talked. This is uh, this is certainly an issue that you're facing um, then and now. So it seems like something that. Uh, it's definitely, you know, high priority worth solving. Yeah, that's that's definitely top of the mind just to free up my time so I can do other 
you know, more high value activities. I mean, obviously, support yeah. is high value as far as, uh, you know, getting people to be successful with the product. Um, but right. it doesn't necessarily need to. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't scale. It's, yeah. it's, it's important. It just it, it's yeah, your time can be spent on patching it instead of answering the question as to why. Right. It work. All that energy <laughs> can just be spent towards actually fixing the problem. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's probably number one top of my mind right now for for Q4 and then uh, trying to grow the the top of the funnel a little bit. It's been fairly flat or slightly downward for the last yeah. few months. Why, why is that? Because like it's yeah, it's, for me, it's like I've been on these spikes of product hunt. That's been great. Hacker News has been great. Um, but as I try to roll out my SEO rankings, um, I don't have a consistent stream of traffic. So I have to do these like spiking techniques to get, you know, attention. And then it sort of tapers off and then I have to do another, you know, exercise and spike it up. And that's just not sustainable um so i'm trying to work on the seo but but what so are you what's your main sources of of traffic here like what why did it spike off is it it can't be seo then because seo is pretty consistent for the most part yeah so i'm actually in a really similar position as you are it's uh right. I, i've heard it described as launched based marketing and that's kind of where i'm at right now like if i roll out a new feature mm. um i'll get a pretty good spike from that or if i put together a new uh, like Webflow demo site that other people can clone and use, like I'll get a good spike from right. that. So I have to keep doing those things over time in order to keep driving the traffic. And if I don't, then I'll start to see it decline as I am right now. Got it. And so when you launch something, is it just through an email blast? Like how does, how does the world know that a new feature in JetBoost exists? Uh, if it's a new feature for JetBoost, it'll be through email blast and then uh, social media, a few different channels there. Got um, it. Got it. Is it? Yeah, I've, I've been, uh, there's this designer uh, called Mackenzie Child who I've been following for years. Um, even back when, you know, I was uh, in San Francisco, I always liked his work and uh, he connected with me after the product launch. He said he thought Story Creator was really cool. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. I used to watch <laughs> this guy's YouTube videos. Um, and then I noticed he's been uh, supporting JetBoost a lot lately. Uh, he's been having, because he's like a Webflow teacher, Webflow um, sort of influencer, I guess. I don't, I don't know how people feel about the term influencer, but he, uh, he he sort of has a good audience of designers and Webflow people. So I don't know if you have a relationship with him, but um, it sounds like he has been plugging uh, JetBoost a little bit. And it sounds like, um, you know, maybe he could be a little bit more uh, sort of um, on on JetBoost and, and promoting it if you guys had a relationship. Um, I don't know if you guys do have a relationship, though, do you? Yeah, yeah. Mackenzie's awesome. Uh, we've actually been... Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, we've been talking for the last few months now and uh, trying to meet pretty regularly just to uh, discuss, like, what he's working on with now trying to do more Webflow courses and Webflow templates and, and yeah. kind of sell all that stuff. And then as well as he's helping, as you've seen, promote JetBoost and um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense because I think the Webflow community is fairly tight. And when there's a good product in that community, I think, you know, the people that are building stuff in Webflow are gonna geek out over it, you know, it helps them. And it, I'm sure they're more than happy to share that with their audience. And I think there's, several people on, on like youtube that have um a large audience that'd be worth like connecting with some other ones i think um uh, ron ron sagel is uh big in like the webflow community i think he even does a lot of like sponsored stuff for them um so like connecting with these guys could be a good way to get some traction yeah yeah i think so uh have you done anything like that with story creator 
No, um, so I'm working on some partnerships with um, like social media planning tools. And uh, those are uh, geared up to be um, in action real soon. So I think those are going to be great. Uh, it's going to be a great way to, to drive in some traffic, um, uh, like a steady flow of traffic. Um, but really, I'm just focused on SEO. Uh, I think that's, um, you know, a, a really pivotal game changer for, for a tool like mine is if you can get ranked um, for, for some high, high key, like, like high uh, intent keywords um, that, that have like buying power behind them. Um, because you're solving the problem directly. And if somebody has like this pain and they're like, I'm willing to pay for this as long as I am matched with the right solution and the funnel is optimized, um, I think SEO is going to be a game changer. Um, looking at some of my competitors, um, 50 to 60% of their traffic is coming from SEO. Um, and, and some of them are, are doing some, some really high numbers, like $200,000, $300,000 MRR. And you know, 60% of their traffic coming from SEO you know, that's a, that's $150,000 right there just coming from SEO alone. So, so that's a, that's a, that's an area where it's tough because I'm not like super keen on creating content all the time. Um, but that's like the name of the game, uh, constantly writing blog posts, YouTube channels, connecting with people, getting backlinks. Um, so where you're trying to hire somebody for customer support, I'm sort of, that's where I'm looking for is hiring somebody for the content. Uh, somebody that's, that's, that's know how, knows how to write articles and can shoot videos, um, maybe make some Instagram posts. Um, I think that's going to be big uh, for growth. Gotcha. So I, I'm just curious, like, what does that content look like? Is it like how to type content or? Yeah, it would, I would say like it's 80% educational, maybe 20% entertainment. Um, but, but mostly on the educational side, maybe a, a, a merge merger of the two where it's, you know, educational, but entertainment, entertaining at the same yeah. time. Um, but it's more so here's how uh, you do things, um, you know, maybe with your Instagram reels to spice them up a little bit, or here's, here's how you do things to, you know, um, you know, speed up your workflow, or here, here are three little hacks that you can do to make funny memes or enhance your memes or enhance uh, your educational videos. Here are some, you know, cool animated text uh, styles that you can follow, cool, cool design uh, techniques you could follow, things like, things of that sort, um, and just really, you know, hammering it in. I noticed a lot of the competitors are doing um, sort of one very specific topic and they're making 10 pieces of content around that that piece of content. So it's really just being crafty with uh, how you repurpose something 10 times based on one, you know, topic so that you don't run out of ideas. Um, but that's definitely, it's definitely, there's an art to it, you know? Um, it's, it's hard shifting all your energy from engineering into being super creative on the content side and knowing how to come up with keywords and, 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 and headlines that attract attention. There's, it's a skill set, and I think it's worth um, delegating that uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's, again, as a, as a solo founder, making the switch between those two positions can definitely be a challenge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, what, so it seems like, so do you have the ability to hire right now? And if so, why not why not hire yesterday yeah so i actually started on that last week um i'm nice. in the process of hiring so far two different uh basically designers to help me build some of these webflow demo sites and clonable projects uh nice because so far that even though again it's still kind of this like spiky traffic it's been my strongest yeah. channel um so i would like to continue to you know, maximize that. Uh, but also it's not my skill set. like building, you know, certainly I, I know how to use Webflow very well now. Um, I can build websites in it, but I'm not a designer. They're not going to look great. Uh, so 
Right. Hiring someone out to do that, uh, I think is going to really help a lot. And for me, it's, yeah, it's an easier hire for me to make than say like a support person, because these are one-off projects. Um, so it'll be a good kind of experiment and, and, uh, 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 experiment and opportunity for me to like learn how to hire people and manage people well. So, yeah, I, I like that you, you make this point because it's similar um, where I'm at with Story Creator is um, I'm, I'm lacking on the template side, but I do have the ability to add video templates. Mm. Like, and I was just on a walk the other day uh, and that's kind of when the light bulb moments usually happen in the shower <laughs> or on a walk. I was like, you know, this is, I mean, it's pretty obvious. I'm like, if I really want to grow this thing, it's, it's going to be templates. Like templates are where people are going to really, really like this product and really come in uh, off the streets, if you will, come, come from Google or whatever. They're gonna see on the homepage, start with this template. And then once that takes them directly into the editor, and they're like, wow, this is great. And then they go to download it, they have to log in, and maybe they wanna do this uh, frequently, then they become a customer. Um, and so I think uh, similar to the, the category that you're in uh, of, of creating these templates, I think that's what's gonna be hot for Story Creator. But it's hard because I'm not really a, you know, I, I am a designer, but it's like you have to, you know, go out of your way to come up with something creative and you have to do this over and over and over because you need 10, 20, 30 mm -hmm. of them. Um, so maybe that's, that'd be a good point for me to hire somebody that, um, like a, like a contractor to do, uh, some video templates, maybe onboard them on a story creator and see if they can come up with something, uh, better than I can come up with. And that'd be a good way to get, get our toes yeah. wet. Yeah. In the hiring process. Yeah, that's good. I, I'm going to write that down. I think that's a good idea. Where would you look to find somebody like that? Would you just reach out to your social media network? Would you go on Upwork? How would you find that? What's your process? Because I might steal that. Yeah, I think those are uh, both good strategies. For me, uh, you know, I was looking for someone in the Webflow community and I'm already kind of embedded in there. So uh, I was able to reach out to a few people directly uh, that I just kind of saw their work and, and liked it. And it seemed right. like... Uh, they would be a good fit, so uh, that's kind of how I went about it. So you just it. did a cold, a cold reach, and uh, the, the the hit rate there was pretty yeah. good. Because I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure these people are very social, and yeah, okay, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that that's might might be something I I would do is like find somebody on Dribble or uh, if there's any like video uh, showcase sites, um, maybe even like Envato, see if like there's some template designers on there um, that'd be willing to um, have a chat and. Makes, if they want to make some money then uh, be a good win-win situation. So yeah, that's good. I like that. Yeah. I think, you know, it's like, like you or I could do that work of creating templates, but it's hard to really fake the creativity aspect of it. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's like, it's a full-time thing. Yeah. You have to be fully, you know, invested into that process and you have to, you know, be in the flow state and you also have to have the skills. Like you have to have at least, um, you know, a thousand hours, 10,000 hours of actual, you know, uh, doing the work to be able to like produce something somewhat decent. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if we've put in that many <laughs> hours in the video creation and template creation and, and aesthetically pleasing things. So yeah, it'd be, it'd be totally worth it just to hire somebody. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the fun though. I'm, I'm excited to build out a team. Like that's, that's something I'm actually really excited for. I think it's going to be fun. I, I, I didn't just get in this to, to be alone. Right. Like I actually wanted to build the culture. Um, it's just, it needs to be the right culture at the right time. I know I need to be able to like 
uh, you know, pay the bills um, for, for, for the folks that come to work on Story Creator. Um, but at the same time, it's like I want people that are passionate about it. I want people to see the potential and, and, and hop on board. Um, and so I, I don't know. It's just, I think I'm, I'm really excited for that, though. I'm, I'm excited to build a team. It's going to be weird in a, in a post-COVID world where I kind of want to go back to the office. I want to have like, you know, cool, swanky office with people uh, working. Maybe the future of work will be like, you know, one or two days at the office and then the rest maybe remote. I don't know. But um, I really do look forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think so. It it seems like we're kind of headed in that direction with the popularity of co-working spaces increasing and it was kind of come yeah. on your own terms. Like there's still a place to to meet people and interact, but you're not forced to sit at your office desk five days a week for eight hours a day. So right right yeah nobody likes yeah. that that just that that's an old that's an old sort of tradition an old method um from the industrial age and i think i think things are going to be shaken up a little bit for for the better um but there is something nice about being in person with real people mm -hmm. behind real physical computers you know there's a coffee machine and everyone's collaborating in in person there's something nice about that but i think the old model of nine to five five days a week um, should definitely be changed up a little bit, especially with people that have families and, you know, just, you know, a life in general, it's nice to not have to go into traffic and deal with all that. And, um, so, so I think, um, I think things will change, but, uh, there's, there's certainly something nice about having people in, 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 in you know, in a physical realm. So, yeah, it's funny before we, uh, got on together today, I was thinking how we've, we both live in San Diego, but we've never actually met in person yet. <laughs> Not yet. Where where are you out of again? Uh, you're you're in La Jolla. Uh, close to there, North PB now. North PB, yeah. nice, cool. Man, you're like a college kid. Isn't that where all the college kids live? <laughs> That's why I say North PB. They're they're in regular PB. <laughs> <laughs> got it, got it. No, PB is awesome. Yeah, like I think uh, for my next move, I want to be somewhere in that area, like La Jolla. Um, yeah, I lived in a gas lamp for a little bit, and then. I just moved out to Chula Vista um, for this past or for, for this new year. Um, I w wanted to be out of the city mm -hmm. uh, for COVID. I wanted to be somewhere a little bit more, um, you know, you know, suburban, uh, you know, where I can hear the crickets and stuff. I, I wanted some isolation time just to focus. Um, but yeah, I really like San Diego. I can see myself living here for a very long time. Um, huge fan. How, how long have you been here? Uh, so I've been here. Are you, are you fairly new? Five years now. Okay, so yeah, they, they, like the the myth is true. Once you move here, you never move <laughs> away. Like that, that's that's every San Diego and I've talked to. That's that's sort of the the general theme. You don't move once you move to San Diego. Um, and I thought like, no, I'm I'm a very nomadic person. Like I, I I will go to New York. I will go to I'll go. I, I like to try out new areas, and, and that still stands true. But um, San Diego is very a very nice place to live. I like I like it because it's underrated. Not a whole lot of people like know about it. So it's like. I like I like spots like that where it's it's a little bit under the radar. Yeah, I mean it's kind of funny. I I would imagine you feel somewhat similar. Like to finally be in the position where you are running an online business, uh, but now COVID's happening, so you can't really travel and, and be nomadic. And uh, also, just being in San Diego, it is nice. Uh, so there's not maybe as much of a drive to leave. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, I would highly recommend, um, maybe, maybe we shouldn't recommend it to people because <laughs> you want to keep it a secret, but I would highly recommend checking out San Diego. It's a, it's a great place to live. Yeah. Um, or do you, do you rent out of, uh, North PB? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's good. I do. Do you like anticipate staying in that area for a while? Cause I'm like, 
trying to figure out what's the next move because it would be San Diego most likely, but like where in San Diego? I feel like that's a good area. Maybe, maybe it's it's hard to find a nice apartment though uh, in that area though. That's that's something I I like modern looking apartments and, and a lot of that stuff is like built in the seventies and stuff. So, um, but it looks like you have a nice modern apartment though, like white walls. Yeah, it was. Uh, it looks all fresh. It was recently re- uh, renovated, but um, nice. Yeah, I don't know. My, my wife and I've been talking about it a lot. We're trying to figure it out, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Best of luck to you in that, <laughs> yeah, in that regard. Thank you. Um, but for me, like it's it's like that stuff does matter to a degree. But like I'm so obsessed with just the work. I just need like a nice desk, uh, a fairly you know decent place to live. Um, but I just want to I just want to work. You know, I just want so somewhere that I can just uh, you know unleash my creativity and, and build something cool. Um, I actually it's it's funny. Like when I was um, I think it was like 23. I actually lived out of a car in San Francisco for a little bit, and that was. That was honestly one of the best times of my life because I could just go down to the beach and, and work on my laptop on the beach. I can go to Santa Cruz. I could go uh, to, you know, uh, coffee shops in Palo Alto, right uh, across the street from Palantir and MongoDB. And it was really cool. It was really cool just to be able to work anywhere I wanted to. Um, but at the end of the day, the, the core thing there is just being able to you know work on something. It doesn't matter really where you're at. It's just as long as you're outputting something interesting and creative and something that you like building is it doesn't really matter where you're at you know so that's just like kind of icing on the cake if that makes sense yeah yeah i mean i think that kind of goes back to taking a look back at the last year and seeing that you know you've gotten to wake up every day and and work on your own product is that's a pretty amazing thing yeah i think i think that's uh you know the the positive aspect of it it's it's certainly tough though you know because when you're when you're doing your own thing and and you and you're building your own company, I, I'm sure you can relate to this, but there is a lot of uncertainty. Oh yeah, you know there's there's a lot of it's a roller coaster. There's um there you know there's months where you could be stressed as hell, not knowing if you can pay the bills for like the next month, and that's something that you have to you have to be okay with. Um, there's some sort of inner confidence that you have to have that hey, you know what, it's tough. It's not like an ideal situation. I don't feel the cushion. Um, but I know somehow, some way, I will figure it out. You know, the universe will pay pay me back for the efforts and the risk. I, I just got to believe it. Um, there's some sort of inner confidence that you have to have. But it's certainly tough. Certainly tough. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. I think, like, we live in a culture where everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Everyone on Instagram is an entrepreneur. Um, but nobody's actually, like, put in the due diligence uh, to be that. So it's interesting. Inter- interesting time that we live in. I think there's nothing... Um, you know, that like, you know, back in the thirties and the forties when people actually worked hard, there's no getting around working hard. I think a lot of people are trying to put on this illusion. Um, but there's no, there's no getting around the fact that you actually have to put in the work at the end of the day. So, yeah. Uh, (laughs) I mean, this year has been by far the most that I've worked. It's been the most anxiety around work that I've ever had because I have so much more riding on it. Um, so I think yeah. that is the flip side of if you can pull it off and you can stay sane, like it is really rewarding, but there's going to be a lot of trials and tribulations that you go through. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I think that's why, um, you know, as an entrepreneur, as somebody that's, that's trying to go, go big is there's a lot of mental hacks that you have to have a lot of, um, routines and, 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 and just the way that you look at the world, the, the, you know, you're going to the sauna, taking care of yourself, going to the gym, having um, these mental exercises that you follow to keep yourself 
in a good place, even like meditation, uh, things, things like tools. Those are just tools, but they're very important, I think, for um, you know playing this game and, and, and staying uh, sustainable, staying sane for a long period of time in a very insane world that we live in. Um, and so I think that's really what it comes down to. I truly believe that is the sustainability over a long period of time. As long as you can solve that and you can work hard uh, every day along that uh, trajectory, then you'll be okay. But I think a lot of people just fail because it gets really tough and they just burn out and crash, right? So um, I think, you know, if, as long as you can tell yourself, stay in there, stay in the ring like Rocky Balboa until the final until the final bell, you'll be okay. And, and what can you do to help you stay alive? It's a mental discipline. It's a routine you follow. Uh, just, you know, the tools that you take advantage of. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I, I almost quit working on JetBoost like three or four times last year. Um, but there's always just what, for whatever reason, just what kept you in the ring. What, what, so maybe like this could be useful for, for us in the future in the audience. Like what were the tools that, that, um, you, you used in those moments to keep you in the ring? Was, was there anything that you could put a finger on or was it just maybe like the universe coming down and saying, Chris, quit. <laughs> or like, what, what, is there anything specific? Uh, I, I think one of the big things, I mean, even in the early days when, you know, after several months, there was, uh, less, there was around five people using it. Uh, it was still knowing that there are five people using this product that like are relying on it. Uh, so if at the very least, like I need to keep going for them. Um, and eventually that became like, I love that. 20 people, 50 people, et cetera. And that, that's kind yeah. of the strongest motivation you can have. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think, I think that's why for, um, a lot of engineering founders, a lot of, uh, product, uh, focused founders, getting your early, getting early users, getting people touching your product, giving you feedback as early as possible is not only important just because that's like the general advice. It's important specifically because it keeps you in the ring. It's a tool that keeps you motivated. It, it, it keeps you going. Um, and I think a lot of us find, uh, ourselves in this point of like trying to become perfectionists. We, we want the tool to be perfect before it can see the light of day. Um, the problem is that we're grinding our gears uh, over and over and over and then we have nothing to show for it at some point. We start getting in our, our, in our own heads and we're like, well, I spent all this time building this product but no one's using it. Why? Well, because you didn't tell anybody it existed. You didn't actually like spend the effort trying to get people um, you know, adopting it. You spent so much time trying to perfect it and now you kind of like, just, you, you ran out of gas. And uh, yeah, so so I think that's really important to get those early users. Yeah, it's uh, it's to me, it's the best motivation. And uh, it also, if you go so far down that path where you're building a product without any users, you you, you might find out that you built the wrong product. Um, yeah, 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 it's true. I think it's, it's uh, yeah, I don't know, it, it's tough because for me with Story Creator, I spent way too much time building the tool um, before actually getting users. And so, um, what, what kept me going was just intuition. I, I, and I, and, and just the love for the product in general, I completely made that mistake for the first several months of not talking to users. I got lucky that, you know, what I was building was actually a useful mm -hmm. product. And that's because like, I looked at the market, I understood what tools existed and I almost built it for myself because I had this problem of after effects and wanting to, you know, get something going uh, a lot faster, but after effects, just, there was a lot of barrier to entry. So. Uh, I kind of built it for myself. So I, I, I completely agree with that advice. Um, I just got lucky because I, 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 I sort of, I built it for myself and I just I had strong intuition about it. 
Um, but I almost gave up because I didn't have a lot of users for the first uh, several months. And going back retrospectively, I would have certainly gotten users way earlier um, and, and got a, got got uh, out of this perfectionism mindset, which held me back for a mm -hmm. while. So you said you're nearing 100 users now? Yeah, 100 uh, paying nice. users. Um, just had about 4,000 signups um, the other day. Um, I still think that's really early on, though. I, I mean, I noticed a lot of uh, my competitors who are doing about 200,000 uh, MRR right now. Before they even got their first paying customer, they had 30,000 uh, users signed up um, before wow. they got their first paying customer. And they were, yeah, they, I, they're killing it on SEO and, and they, they had a head start. So um, I think that um, for me, I just need more volume. I need more volume and I just need to have more transparency as to where people are falling off, where I can improve the funnel. Um, and so I think, uh, you know, that's just, that is what I'm working for is, is that is just improving the product, getting more traffic and observing where they're falling off and how do I improve that funnel? Um, and so, yeah, I think, uh, I think SEO is an interesting thing. Um, it's been, it's been a challenge for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I should have been creating two posts a week, um, at the, at the very minimum, I think I could have been a lot further off now if I would have been more consistent with the content. So if this advice might help any other founder is try to be disciplined with creating at least two uh, pieces of content per week, even as tough as that may be, I think um, the rewards will benefit you a lot sooner if you would, if you were to get on it now rather than later. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. And the, and the people that do become paying customers, I guess, what do they have in common? Like who, 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 yeah, the most I mean, that's a good question. Creator. I actually need to look at this information and this data a little bit more closely. I haven't really been scientific in that regard. Um, so I'm sort of in the dark here. Um, and, and that's something I want to improve on for this month. I think um, that's something we should cover in this in this podcast is what what can we improve on going forward? And that's certainly one of them. Um, being able to understand my, my, my customer persona. This is an ongoing theme uh, for me. Um, and I think for anybody, you should always you know, ask yourself this question, who are we selling to? Who is that persona type? What does it look like? Is it changing? Is it the same? Like you should always be asking this question. It doesn't, you don't just ask it once and it stops. It's an ongoing thing. I think you should always be asking this question. And that's something I certainly need to be doing um, is, is uh, who is the customer persona? What do they look like? And, and doing a, a, a weekly analysis or a monthly analysis on what that is. Um, so that's, that's something I'm going to improve upon. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, we're not perfect. Um, yeah. it's definitely something I can improve on. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I would be really curious to know if they are switching from other tools, either these other online tools, or I think you mentioned after effects that's a good question. or if there are more people who are yeah. using a tool oh, for the I, first I can, time. Yeah. I could say that for, uh, with a little bit more confidence is I would say that, no, they're not coming from after effects. They're, um, you know, maybe coming from, you know, just maybe basic tools, like maybe, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, maybe like iMovie, maybe, uh, maybe like Canva users that want to get more into video production, um, users that, uh, you know, might not be very technically savvy, or maybe to some degree, but they're more so about um, branding, and, and uh, they're not really labeling themselves as a video editor, right? Somebody that might want to do coaching calls and somebody that might want to, um, you know, be able to make announcements and tell stories through video, um, but don't necessarily have a design background or a video editing background. So that's, that's generally what the customer looks like. Okay. Yeah. That's Yeah. I, you know, if I try to put myself in your shoes, I am immediately, uh, <laughs> 
I, I, it just looks like such a, a larger challenge than what I face with Jet. Like JetBoost is such a tiny product on a very, very tiny, tiny segment of people that like, even though I, I'm not a great marketer, I, I don't know marketing that well. Like it's easy to conceptualize like who it's for. If I was to work on a, a broad product or I don't know if you listen to Justin Jackson all, he calls it like the main dish versus the side dish. Like, like jet boost right. is very much a side dish. If not, I mean, it might be just a condiment. <laughs> it's, it's, it's tiny, but something like story creator is very much a main dish. Like it's, it's the thing that people is the main tool that someone's going to use to solve that problem. Um, but I, I can see how it'd be yeah. a lot more challenging to figure out who it's for and, and how to find those people. Yeah, it's, it, it's certainly been tough. Um, you know, you know, the advice that I got early on is like, you try to sell to everybody, you sell to nobody. Um, the riches are in the niches. I mean, a lot of these things were running through my head as I, as I evolved uh, with the product. And so I try to double down on podcasters. Um, but then I started to notice uh, every time that somebody that was a non-podcaster, that's still a good uh, potential customer would be like reading the copy. I'm like, well, that's not for me. I don't have an interest in podcasts. I'm not really doing that. Um, I just want to sort of maybe make a video ad or maybe I'm just uh, trying to uh, share, um, you know, some of my teaching material or my, uh, you know, I'm an influencer on Instagram and I want to share, um, you know, some of, my, some of my thoughts or something like that. And this is not for me. So I just started to realize, well, that's kind of a problem. Um, but would it be uh, smart to potentially maybe make it like a tree-like structure where it come to the homepage and then it says that, okay, it's for podcasters, it's for content creators, it's for um, advertisers, it's for people selling e-commerce products. And then you just have um, the ability to walk them down a path and it says, okay, well then you have these sub landing pages, you're a podcaster. Okay, here is what it looks like when you're a podcaster. You add the visualizer, you add the subtitles, you can have progress bars, you can design your, your album uh, cover um, and then you're done. Uh, and then the same thing uh, for the different persona types, you just walk them down a path. Um, and so to me, I thought that would be worth trying. And, and you know, it, it seems like it did work. I don't have the exact numbers to back that up, but I will tell you around that time, a lot of other things happened. H Hacker News, obviously, and product mm -hmm. kind of happened. Um, but that, that certainly uh, increased the conversion rate, um, you know, exponentially. So um, it's, it's weird because the advice is like, well, you have to like niche down and focus on one specific audience. Um, I think that's, that's certainly true. Um, but there are uh, variables. I think that's with any advice. You can't take any advice with like, absolute certainty i think there's uh, a lot more complexity to um just life in general so i think you have to use them as a rule of thumb as like sort of a framework a guideline but you can't always take them so literally but there there is modifications and audibles and slight variances with a lot of the advice out there yeah no that's uh again that makes me think of justin jackson i just heard him say something similar the other day on a podcast uh you know he he runs a podcast hosting SaaS. And uh, he said in the very beginning, nice. they, you know, took the standard of advice of like, we need to focus on a specific niche because we're in like a very broad market. So I can't now remember the example that he used, but he said they changed their whole landing page. So it was focused only on this one niche and exactly what you said, like people came and they're like, oh, this is not for me, even though it was like right. the perfect fit for them. Uh, so right, yeah, right. I think it it's... It just reminds me of how powerful copy though is. Mm -hmm. The copy copy is very powerful, and we're not marketing gurus and stuff, um, but I, we can at least appreciate the power of copywriting. I think a lot of that is what marketing is: is being able to write good copy, write high 
converting copy. Um, but it's it's really fascinating in, in the difference of just a few mere words can make in, in a conversion. Um, and so it's something to at least like take into consideration um, in, in the words that you write and um, in sort of just understanding that you can't just put like a beautiful site together with from Lorem Ipsum. Like, <laughs> the site can be the most beautiful site in the world, but if people just read the gibberish, then it means nothing. You could have an ugly site with a really good uh, copywriting and you could probably make $100,000. You can make a lot of money if the copy is right. So there's something really powerful about copy. And so I think a lot of people need to put more importance on good copywriting. Yeah, it fascinates me every time I go to make updates to the JetBoost website, um, particularly around the copy. And number one, just how much time it takes to really nail down good copy. And two, yeah. again, the power of it, just like you, I'm always fascinated by like, once I finally get that perfect copy that sounds you know, good to me, that's uh, framing the problem well and, and selling JetBoost well as the solution to that problem, it's like, wow, this is a this is hundred times better than what I had before. And uh, usually you end up seeing those results uh, in the conversion rates and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It almost makes you think that um, you know, there is no sort of limitation to the amount of powerful copy that you could have. It seems like it could always be better. It could always increase your conversions and there's like no ceiling to it. Um, maybe, maybe there is, but I always feel like, yeah, things could always be improved and, uh, cop your copy, your homepage copy, your, your, your general copy can always be improved. And it's, it's, for me, it's something I want to improve upon is measuring that being able to identify, did this actually, I think you do that well with, with your tools. I mean, you even showed me that that one time, but I think being able to see, Oh, did this make a difference for the better or for the worse? And then maybe asking the question, why did it, did it do better? Um, there's a lot of lot of stuff that goes on behind the analytics uh, of 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 your of your site and of your of your product because um, you know you can go you can go and make that a full time job. Mm -hmm. Honestly, there's a lot a lot of different reports that you can make and analysis. It's like a science. So it's uh, you know it's it's something I think we we solar founders need to know at a high level. It's hard to like become like an expert at it, um, but it's definitely something worth um, spending some time on. That's something I I I vow to on this podcast. To spend more time on uh, looking at the numbers, looking at the analytics, and being able to answer hard questions um, by knowing the numbers. That's something I'm, I'm, I'm lacking at. So I want to get better at that this month. Nice. Yeah. So I guess along those lines, kind of where are you sitting at today? What's your focus going forward? Is it more on the product side or marketing side or a mixture of both? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I always keep uh, rolling out uh, new <laughs> things. Um, I spent last week, uh, so, I, so I'm trying to make the tool feel more like um, like a design tool, like like what you would experience in Figma or like Sketch where mm -hmm. you have elements um, on, on the artboard. And, and I wanted to, to have all the features and functionalities of a standard design tool. Like what I rolled out last week is um, being able to group objects. And uh, once they're in a group, you can do things like scale them up and down. You can drag them around the artboard holistically. Um, and that's a really uh, nice feature to have when you're when you're designing it and you're trying to put things together. Um, and so I kind of want to take that to the next level. And I, I was thinking of cool ideas like pre-comps where you can maybe um, make like a like a ball, like a circle in it. You could add some like keyframes. So I really want to add keyframes as well. And I really want to do something where you can make things independently. You can ship them to other people as like these like standalone compositions that people can then import into their project. And you can even create like a marketplace of all these like compositions that you can pick off of. Um, and so I think there's something really powerful with that. But basically my focus right now is just 
uh, on the product to be able to make it feel more like the design tool give you the features that you need, maybe like um, filters and being able to group things. Um, and then I'm also working on uh, keyframes, very basic uh, keyframes. My goal for the future is to have a little bit more sophisticated keyframes where you can pretty much animate anything. But right now I'm adding like a Ken Burns effect where you can animate an image on the, on the Z index and the Y and the X index. So I'm creating a tool to simply just give you the ability to, to add a little transform to your image uh, to bring them to life. Um, and that's just going to be the starting point of, of you know, the, the introduction to keyframes uh, in the product. But, from, but aside from that, I really want to just wrap up all engineering side things. I really want the Ken Burns. I'm really excited for that. I think that's going to make people's videos much more amazing. Um, but I think once that's done, it's just marketing for me. I need to get on the content game. I'm actually writing an article right now. Um, and just more YouTube, more content, more networking, getting the partnerships going, and just start to gear up for, for explosive growth here is, is what I'm uh, itching for. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I think it's an important balance that people can sometimes miss where if the product isn't good enough yet, and I'm not saying that Story Creator is not because I've used it and it's amazing. No, I, I totally get what you're about to say. Though. This, is, this is certainly a tough thing. But yeah, if, if the product isn't at the level where you think it needs to be or is uh, solving the problem that it should be solving, then it's hard to go and ramp up the marketing. Uh, I know even with, really with JetBoost, like it's taken me, it still doesn't feel like it's where it needs to be. Uh, I, I want there to be more add-ons available for people, more uh, different use cases for them before I really go and push on, push a hard on the marketing, but yeah. I think this is a perfect way to sort of conclude this. I think, I think this is a really interesting thing as a solo founder is you're always trying to ramp up your product, trying to make it look good and, and, and be amazing. Cause that's important to have that competitive edge. The hard thing is though, you feel like you're maybe lacking on the marketing side. You have people telling you that you need to sell this thing. You need to sell this thing. You need to sell mm -hmm. this thing. But you're like, well, I need to make this thing better. Um, so there's this, there's this fine balance where, if you're coming at it from this perfectionism angle of like, well, people aren't going to like it just because it's not perfect, then you're in the wrong, right? That's, that's not a good angle to come from because you're never going to actually like get out of that bubble. Right. Um, but you need to be able to come from it strategically as possible where you're building, 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 and you know when to cut it off and switch gears. And that's the hard part, when to cut it off and switch gears and, and also feeling like you're not producing enough, but sometimes you need to have that patience. So it's a weird balance of like, Am I being perfect? Am I, am I trying to just like hide from the customers? Am I just trying to hide from the market uh, versus am I trying to like actually make this better? Do I have a strategic like deadline? Can I transition back into sales and marketing? Can I leverage the work that I did as a, as a play to get more sales and more marketing? So it's a weird balance because like you almost feel uh, sort of both things going on at the same time, but you need to come from the correct place and you need to know when to cut it off and transition. And that's where it gets really hard. Yeah, 100% agree. And I think one way to combat that a little bit is to, again, focus on what the customers are saying, what what do they need, or where are they getting stuck in the product. Uh, so if if your yeah. customers are used to using design tools, which it sounds like they probably are, like then maybe it needs to behave more like a design tool, like you mentioned, um, and that's probably a good yeah. way to win people over. So yeah. Yeah, I think that's good. Yeah, having more conversations with your customer, I think maybe. Uh, throughout the week, especially for us builders, like to take a step back, um, to take a step back from the product, maybe write a little bit of content, maybe talk to some people, maybe hop on a phone call. Um, and I think that's that's a good way to combat um, falling into that rabbit hole is taking a step back, um, talking to users and uh, just not getting so so wrapped up into it. Um, I think that that's sort of a, a good formula for for falling out or avoiding that trap. So. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, awesome, Michael. Thank you so much for coming on and keeping me company this week while Corey's out on vacation. I, I really appreciate it. It was a great conversation. I got to tune into your guys' podcast. I feel like this is interesting because we're both builders, but I'd, I'd like to see the dynamic between you and Corey where he is he's very marketing-minded. Uh, um, before we conclude this, uh, as builders, what what is one thing that you learned from Corey on the marketing side that's really important that we should leave the audience and both of ourselves thinking about today? What, what's one of those things? Was Corey talking? Yeah, about? honestly, uh, it goes all the way back to the very beginning of uh, JetBoost, which is, and I don't know how helpful this is going to be. Um, as a as a builder, as a product person, it's very easy to want to build products, to want to build an entire platform, but if you're not a great marketer, it's much more, uh, it's much easier to go and build on top of somebody else's platform who already has users, who already has customers. Um, and you can sort of just ride their coattails and uh, solve problems that the, the main platform doesn't solve and um, hopefully make a pretty good business doing that. So I learned that from Corey and I I've got been it. doing that's that. Sort of, that's... <laughs> That's great. So that's that's sort of why you came into the Webflow ecosystem, based on that principle. Yeah, I I wouldn't say like I necessarily went out like looking for a platform to go build on top of. Uh, I definitely just yeah. stumbled into this like totally by accident, just from uh, again like doing a little bit with Corey on on his Webflow site. But uh, yeah, once I once I did stumble into it, that's when I kind of looked back at all these things that Corey had been saying about building on other platforms and whatnot. And uh, that's when I started to piece it all yeah. together. I, th I think, uh, you know, if, if you can take anything away from this, I think, um, you know, where you're at with JetBoost, I think um, you're still in the early days. Yeah. I think Webflow um, is still just, I think it's going to explode even more than it already has. Um, because if you look at the numbers um, from last time I checked, 52% of the web is still on uh, WordPress. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, you know, WordPress still has a strong community, but I think Webflow will sl slowly infiltrate that community and, and start to take over. We'll see. I don't know. But um, that's my that's my uh, instinct. And I think as Webflow infiltrates, they're kind of like the fullback and you can be like the running back sort of just trailing and the fullback sort of plowing exactly. through. Um, and I think once they plow through, um, you're going to also win as well. So just hang in there. I, I hope, um, you know, everything is good, you know, with, with your health. I hope everything is good with, you know, um, just overall well-being. I think uh, we're both in a very fortunate position. As long as you can pay your bills for the next six months, um, as long as you feel good, healthy, mentally, physically, um, we're in a really good place. And, and I think just being grateful for those things is really important. And so I wish you the best going forward. I know you're going to crush it. Just, just stay in the ring, man. Stay in the ring. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I, I totally agree. We've, we've got a lot to be grateful for. And, um, yeah, if you want to give a quick shout out, we'll include everything in the show notes, but where people can find you at, uh, That'd be great. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Michael Aubrey, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-A-U-B-R-Y. Some people like to add the E. Um, and you can also find Story Creator at storycreatorapp.com. Um, try out the free demo, see if you like it, see if it's a good fit. Uh, you can always reach out to me. I'm always uh, easy to talk to and uh, always interested in talking about the future of video. Um, and I know as a builder, uh, maybe as a consumer, you feel like this is the way things are, but as a builder, you know for things the way that they can be. Um, I'm always interested in having a conversation um, to, to, to determine the way things could be. Um, and that always comes from, you know, people that are willing to step up and have an interesting conversation. And you never know, you might actually see some of the things that you've been talking about in the product. I'm always evolving it and I'm always keen on taking feedback and, and using that to uh, 
to uh, build. So yeah, reach out. Awesome. To Very cool. That's a great way to wrap up. And until uh, next time, everyone, thank you very much for listening. All right, guys. Peace.